listening to the official podcast of Oasis Community Church, where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything's possible. If you'd like to learn more about Oasis, request prayer, or get in touch with a pastor, visit our website at oasischurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. 30 pieces of silver. That's, that's all it took for me to say yes. I betrayed him. I handed him over in a moment of contempt. Well, more like a moment of foolish pride. I, I didn't think they would actually crucify him. I, I just thought with the right pressure we would see who he really was. Uh, I thought things would be different. I, I thought he would be different. The Messiah come to save us from Rome. But he was not this political leader that we were looking for. Instead of fighting for power, he had us give it away. Instead of fighting our enemies, he told us to love them. I was tired of waiting and interpreting parables. But he knew I'd betray him. He he saw right through me. But I swear, I, I didn't think they would kill him. I see him so differently now. He's the Messiah. He's my Messiah. And I betrayed him. I should have I should have been there. I should have defended him. Instead I I pretended like I didn't know him. I was the first to say it, you know, <clears throat> among the disciples. I was the first one to say that you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. I, I wasn't afraid then. I wanted to announce it. I wanted to say it boldly. I wanted to declare it. I wanted people to know. I was betting everything. I was betting my life on him. And I wasn't afraid to follow him either. You know, like some people were. I was confident I'd do whatever it took to follow him. At least, you know, I, th I thought I was. Whatever was, whatever was under my boasting, my arrogance, my pride, he, he saw it. He knew. He knew when the pressure came. He knew what I'd do. I said I'd die for him, and I, instead I denied him. I washed my hands of that man's fate. I told them 
I saw no reason for an accusation against him. Why should he die? But the Jewish people insisted. There was something about this man, even under the face of persecution, he was disarming. They called him God's anointed, a king, or so he claimed to be. Why would a king need me to let him go free? Even so, the people were demanding crucifixion. And if I denied them, they were on the verge of a riot. Rome was not worthy of such rebels. No, I would not let them make Rome look weak, make me look weak. So I did what needed to be done to keep the peace. Still, I saw something different in that man. I, I sent an innocent man to die. Standing at the foot of the cross was horrific, unimaginable, unbearable. Everything in me just wanted to run, to flee, to hide, to pretend it wasn't happening. I wanted to go back in time and just stay there, back to when he was just my little boy, where the wounds I tended were just scrapes from playing in the dirt or cuts from being an apprentice as a carpenter. But of course, I couldn't leave. My life was tied to him the very moment that the angel came and announced himself to me. I'd been tending to his wounds his whole life. And even as I looked at him, I could see that miraculous child that God had entrusted to me. I could never leave his side. The only thing worse than staying and watching him suffer would be to leave and know that he was doing this all alone. How could they not see who he was? crucified the Messiah. They crucified my son. My heart was pounding within me. I could barely feel my feet touch the ground as I ran to tell the disciples. Would they even believe me? I could barely believe it myself. It wasn't that long ago we had watched him die. My body still tired from the dull ache of grief, but that seemed like a faraway past now. The tomb was empty when we arrived there after the Sabbath, and 
someone had rolled the stone away and taken his body. In an instant, I crumbled. And I heard this gardener, amidst my tears, ask me, Woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? It wasn't until I heard him say my name. This man was no gardener. Rabboni! Jesus, standing there before me. Go, he said, and tell your brothers. My feet could not carry me fast enough, but my heart was bursting with joy. I have seen the Lord. He is risen. Amen. He is risen. Let's try that again. He is risen. Well, folks, happy Easter. It is so, so, I'm so, so happy to be with you today. Um, and I loved, thank you so much to the band and the worship team and the actors and the uh, playwrights who wrote, who wrote that. Uh, Mary Magdalene, you know, she was the first to proclaim the gospel that Jesus is risen. I mean, I'm, I'm so happy to kind of end with her voice. And for us, too, to kind of hear again her excitement that she had seen someone who she initially had mistaken as a gardener. Uh, I mean, how else could she expected anything else, right? Like she, she, like the others, had seen him die. Um, well, I guess they didn't all see him die. The, the, as Peter and um, the other disciples, uh, male disciples, had kind of run and hid. We do know that the beloved disciple and Mary Magdalene and this other Mary and Mary, the mother of Jesus, were all at the crucifixion, kind of bearing witness to it. They had, they had stuck it out. And then, days later, when all hope was lost, she gets to the tomb and she thinks, who is this guy? And then she realizes he's the one. My rabbi. Man, what a story. It's the, it is the story of stories. And um, I love the, the passage of scripture from Acts that Ray uh, read for us earlier. You all know that I'm, I'm a Pentecostal and you may or may not know that Pentecostals love Luke Acts. Like if... Not to say that all scripture is not good, but we real, we really partial to Luke and his story. Um, it's the story, you know, of the day of Pentecost and all that stuff. But when when they tell the story, when Luke tells the story, he, he says it over and over. I mean, the part that we read was a part about P, a sermon that Peter gave. But anytime Luke was telling the story, whether it was Peter giving the story or John telling the story or James telling the story or Paul telling the story. Luke emphasizes this point, and it's a point that I want you to hear today too, that they crucified him, that the people put him to death, that Rome was responsible for the execution of Jesus, and that the Jewish leaders at the time had cooperated with Rome to see that happen. 
but that God had raised him from the dead. Too often I think we tell this story and somehow it looks like God is the one who's responsible for the death of Jesus or somehow Jesus is saving us from the Father. We don't need to be saved from the Father. The Father is the one who loves us. The Father created us. And as the song we sang earlier, praise the Father and praise the Son and praise the Spirit, three in one, this is... Maybe you think, hey, Robbie, it's Easter Sunday. Let's don't get too technical. Listen, I know it's a mystery. It's a mystery that's been revealed to us, but this is where theology actually does matter. God the Son and Jesus Christ and then God the Father are not at odds with each other. It's not like they were in some kind of conflict and that somehow... Um, God was going to do some kind of damage to Jesus or God was going to do some damage to somebody and Jesus like interceded. No, Jesus would say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Like I and the Father are one and I want to be one with you and I want you to be one with the Father. Like God came in the flesh in order for us to be with him. And so Jesus, again, and the Father were never separate from one another. They're, they're in like perfect union. That, that is, the, that is the, what we say um, when we talk about the Trinity. And so God is, God the Father is always present with Christ. So the cross is not something that God inflicts on Jesus so that he can forgive. The cross is something that God endures in Jesus as he forgives. I think this is really important for us to understand. That God loves us while we were yet sinners. When we were still enemies of God, Paul says, Christ died for us. While we were still enemies with God, Christ died for us. And again, over and over and over, this is what Luke keeps telling us. They crucified him, but God raised him from the dead. It was the crowd that was shouting, crucify him, crucify him, on what we now call Good Friday. What was God's response? If we want to hear the response of God, we listen to the voice of Jesus. And in the voice of Jesus, on the cross, as he's being crucified, we hear the voice of God saying, forgive them. Forgive the very ones who are crucifying. That's the God we serve. The one who is willing to come and not kill for the sake of justice, but the one who's willing to come and die for the sake of love. Don't get me wrong, God is just. And we do see God's justice, maybe on this day more than any other day. We see God's love, I think, perfectly displayed on the cross as the one who came to die for us. But there is nothing just about an innocent man being put to death. And if there ever was an innocent man, it was Jesus. What was just was God's response to the death of Jesus. Raising the innocent one. The innocent one that we are responsible for his death, God responds with the resurrection. 
So what is Jesus saving us from? Jesus isn't, again, not saving us from God. God's the one who loves us. God's the one who sent Jesus. But Jesus is saving us. We do need salvation. And what Jesus is saving us from is sin and death. Sin kills us. The wages of sin are death. Like when we sin, what's the payment that you get for sin? You get death. And so Jesus is saving us from that. He's saving us from sin. And Paul would say, he's also saving us from death itself. There's an uh, epistle that Paul wrote to the Corinthians. And in it, he's like, this is the end. The last enemy of humans is death. And even death dies. John Donne, the old poet, um, has this beautiful poem called Death Be Not Proud. If I was like the uh, actors that we just had, I would give a a wonderful kind of um, oration of John Donne, Death Be Not Proud. It's a beautiful sonnet. But you'll forgive me. Indulge me a bit. Appalachian American again here. I'll just paraphrase. I'll paraphrase Donne's. It goes like this in the Robbie uh, version. (laughs) Death, I don't know why you're so haughty. I don't get it why you like to go around and brag about what you can do. I know that all of us one day have to meet you and die. But really, death, what are you doing? You like to hang out with folks who are tough and bad like poison and death and war. But really, death, we could just, you know, take a couple Benadryl and get a good night's sleep. But that's all that's really happening, death, because you're not killing us. We're just taking a nap. Because what you think is death, we wake up from. And in the end, death, you're the one that dies. Now, you have to go back and read Dunn's sonnet, you know, later today or whatever, and you'll get the more poetic version of that. But I think that John Dunn captured exactly what Paul was saying in his letter to the Corinthians, that we have been saved by Christ from sin and death because he's the one that the Father sent to do this. And what does this mean for us? Well, this is where we go back again to Isaiah. Ray read this passage for us too. Isaiah has this vision of the new creation. In our opening uh, prayer, I hope you were able to catch it. When Zach was praying for us, Zach prayed, Father, thank you for making the tomb into a womb. The tomb of Christ was transformed into a womb of the new creation. Because out of that death came new life. A life that we can live even now. A life that Isaiah envisioned. A life of peace. The peace of Jerusalem. Jerusalem had always been a place of um, kind of conflict. Everybody kind of wanted to conquer it. And everybody had conquered it, right? The Egyptians would come up. The Canaanites. The the Assyrians would come down. The Babylonians would come over. Later the Persians and then the Greeks and then the Romans. Jerusalem, I mean, we should pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Jerusalem hasn't experienced much peace. But Isaiah has this vision that one day 
God will do a new thing, a great thing. And out of that will come new life. A new life that is free from anxiety and depression. A a new life that is free from sorrow and sickness. A new life that is filled with peace. In this new Jerusalem that Isaiah envisioned and that Ray read to us, we get to build our houses and live in them. Like we don't build houses that other people will inhabit. We get to plant our gardens and eat from them. We get to see our children raised and our grandchildren raised and our grandchildren's grandchildren raised. It's such a wonderful thing that even the animal kingdom apparently has become vegetarian, right? The wolf is laying down with the lamb and the lion is eating hay like an ox. It's a beautiful thing. And that's the life that we've been promised. And here's the kicker, my friends. That's the life we can start to experience now as we both receive God's love and grace and mercy and forgiveness and as we become the agents of God's grace and love and mercy and forgiveness in the lives of our family and our friends and strangers and co-workers and classmates. Your eternal life doesn't begin when you die. Your eternal life began when Jesus died on a cross and was resurrected. And by faith, when you engage in that and you confess your sins and profess your faith, you will already begin to live this new life. And so... Mary Magdalene said, come and see. It's the the language, actually, that Jesus had used earlier. Jesus, when he was calling his disciples, said, come and see. He said it to Andrew. He said it to Simon. He said, come and see. And then Andrew went and found Nathanael. That was the video we watched earlier. was a reenactment of that story. Andrew had found Nathanael and said the same thing that Jesus had said to him. Come and see. And then... Uh, Later, the woman at the well in Samaria in John's Gospel, she finds Jesus and believes. And she goes to her village and she says to them, come and see. Come and see a man who told me everything that I ever did. And what I want to say to you all today is I want you to come and see. I want you to come and see. I want you to be part of what we're doing here at Oasis Community Church. Because what we're doing here is we're trying to worship God, we're trying to love one another, and we're trying to serve our community. We're trying to live that life that Jesus provided for us, that new life, that womb that had been a tomb transformed by God to give us this life now, here. So, Come and see is not just the name of our Easter Sunday morning service. It's the name of our Easter Tide series, right? So for the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about come and see, believe, participate, go and tell and share. This is the good news. And it is great and it is 
it is, um, it needs, it needs to be shared. And so we're going to come now and we're going to pray. And then we're going to share the grace and peace with one another. And then we'll, as we do, we'll gather at the table. Um, but as we pray our prayers, as we've read our scriptures, if we've sung these beautiful, these beautiful songs about what Christ has done and is doing in our lives, um, I just ask today that you reflect on, on all these things. The scriptures, the songs, the prayers, sermon, table. And that you commit yourselves again to live this life even now. And to share the goodness of that with others. Amen. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to support us, you can do so by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can leave us a review on iTunes, and if you want to contribute to Oasis financially, you can go to oasischurch.org. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen.